0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. I want to talk to you, uh, to lead you into this text by talking to you about an amazing story that I heard about uh, a couple named Erna and Edward. They're from Linwood, Washington. They decided they wanted a child. Erna, uh, this is last year, about a year ago, uh, nearly 41 years old trying to decide, how are we going to go about having a child? And they decided they wanted to adopt. And uh, they went through all the possible options that you can go through when you uh, adopt a child. And they decided that they were going to go the route of being foster parents, which would then lead into actually being adoptive parents of some, some children. They actually came to that decision because the first adoption they tried to arrange was a a private adoption with a a young teenage girl that uh, they had been uh, um, connected to from their own community, and uh, everything was going so smoothly with this teenage mom, and they thought, wow, this is a perfect fit, but uh, as, as, as we all know, the toughest thing in the world to do is to give up your child. And at the last moment, uh, this teenage mom said, No, I, I can't. I have to raise my own baby. Uh, of course, completely understandable, but Erna and Edward were devastated to get that news at the last moment. So they made this decision look, the next time we do this, we're going to become foster parents first. Now, doing it that route has a lot of advantages when you adopt because. First of all, you can get to know the kids a little bit through being their foster parents. Um, Often the state will give you a lot more help and assistance as you're getting to know the child or children that you're going to adopt. So there are advantages, but there are also what some people perceive to be some disadvantages of this mode of, of adoption. One is when you foster a child, usually you're going to be fostering a child and then adopting a child who's a little bit older, probably school age. And what, what we frequently know in those situations is that the younger years of those kids has, has, been, has been tough oftentimes. And so you're, you're going to be fostering and then adopting children that you're going to have to be very, very patient with, very, very loving toward, uh, very careful with, and sometimes they're going to have special needs as they adjust to a brand new family. And, and that's exactly what um, Edward and uh, and and Erna found when they began this process. When they completed their paperwork last summer, the couple received a call for, uh, about a four-year-old little boy named Christian. you got to love that name, four-year-old little boy. His name is Christian, right? And so they start to connect with the people who are serving as little four-year-old Christian's current foster parents, and they go over and they visit. And they were told by those foster parents that Christian was... Was uh, rebellious and um, and he had some defiant behaviors that would would need to be uh, dealt with, um, and yet, despite that, and even though they could sometimes see that coming out in him, uh, Christian seemed to just really quickly attach. To Edward and Erna. It was, it was pretty cool. The story it, uh, tells us that when, he, when they were in the room, he would just naturally gravitate. He'd go play with the other foster kids, and then he'd just circle back to them, show them the toy that he was playing with, or tell them about uh, his friends that he was playing with, or what game he was playing. And, and after just a very short time, um, the, Edward and Erna, were, they were just bonding with little Christian So they decided to come back and make some more visits. Within several more visits, they decided they were going to adopt Christian. And then on the very last visit, something that they hadn't heard before popped up. And it was a little shocking to them. It, It turned out that Christian actually had a sister who was also living in this foster home. I should say has a sister named Kai, eight years old, four years older than Edward. And this is on the verge of saying, we're going to move forward with this. And now, all of a sudden, here's a sister in the picture. And they begin to think to themselves, how could we possibly separate these two siblings? That-, that just wouldn't be right. But can we possibly, on the spur of a moment, decide that we're going to take on two older kids all at once? We don't know if we're capable of that. And so they had a lot to pray about, a lot to think about. But ultimately, they decided that they were going to take on, adopt, and parent both Christian and Kai. Amazing decision. And they did, and they have. And, and now it's, uh, uh, we're a year into it at this point. And Erna and Edward have, have been complete stabilizing forces in these two kids' lives, in Christian and Kai's lives. Um, amazing. Kai, the 8-year-old girl, was recently diagnosed with um, a visual processing disorder, and she needed to have eye exercises and a specialist, and they took her there and managed to get the problem corrected. She's now reading at grade level, which is just phenomenal. Christian, indeed, did act out. Uh, He was rebellious like he had been in his former foster home, but the steady love... And the grace that his new parents, Erna and Edward, showed him began to have its effect. And over time, Christian, his behavior began to settle out and, and stable light, stabilize. And at five, he's become also an avid reader. Pretty cool story. Now, I, I did all that to set up this idea of the importance and the, uh, the amazing nature of adoption. Uh, of what parents are willing to do, and in particular, adoptive parents sometimes who literally go out and, and pick up children whose lives have been chaotic at best and choose them to come into their family and become part of that family through adoption. Now listen to what Erna says. And I'm sure all of us, whether we're natural parents or adoptive parents, feel what Erna feels. Being a parent is the most important thing I will ever do, Erna says. There's a simple joy in seeing our kids sleep peacefully in their beds because I know the chaos they lived in before. I want you to hear those words. There's a special joy in watching our kids sleep peacefully in their beds because I know the chaos that they've been through before. Now, many of you who know me know that I did not grow up a Christian, and I will tell you, my life before I was adopted by the Heavenly Father was chaotic, extremely chaotic, created by sin in my family's life, in my own life. As we talked about, sin is in all of our lives, from birth, from conception. And it creates chaos in our lives. That's just what sin does. It creates our lives dissolving and falling apart and and brokenness and hurt and pain in all of us. But the beauty of what Ernest says is also true of our father. God says, being the dad of believers is the most important thing I will ever do. And he will say, one of the things that I love about watching my children is watching them sleep peacefully at night, knowing the chaos that my son Jesus and the Holy Spirit has brought them out of. You ever think of it that way? That God loves just watching you sleep at night? Peacefully, with true deep peace and joy in your hearts? Because you're forgiven, you're connected to God as your father, and you have eternity, eternal life as your inheritance, as a child of God. God loves that. And that's what we want to talk about today. Listen how this passage from the Apostle Paul It speaks so clearly to the point that God is your father through faith in Jesus Christ. And that that is also connected to baptism, as Paul says here, as the adoption process. That's what we saw go on today. We saw two beautiful babies be adopted into God's family through the water of baptism. And many of you have had that experience, too. And what does it mean for you today today? That you are adopted into God's family. Let's read. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? You wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. So I'm going to begin with the headline I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you right into what Paul is saying, the heart of it here. Write this down. The truth is, Paul says, every believer in Jesus Christ has been adopted into God's family. So in Christ Jesus, he says, you are all children of God through faith. And here's what I want you to find, a little white space. I didn't leave a blank for this, but I love this quote. This quote is from a judge who is also an adoptive parent, and this is something that he says to adoptive parents every time he is uh, the judge performing uh, an adoption ceremony. Write this down. Adoption is a promise that's fulfilled over a lifetime. We could say that about parenting in general, couldn't we? Uh, you just heard me ask these parents, are you, are you ready to keep on fulfilling the promise that you brought this child here for today to, to bring them up, to know Jesus as their Savior and the hero of their lives, the one who gives them the gift of eternal life? That promise will be fulfilled over a lifetime. Adoption is that way. You, you don't just adopt a child for a day. It's, it's a promise fulfilled over a lifetime. Guess what? It's the very same For our adoption by the Heavenly Father. When we come to faith by the Holy Spirit working faith in our hearts through the Word of God or through the sacraments, and we're adopted into God's family through faith, that day is important, but it is just the beginning of a lifetime of having God be our Father and keep on fulfilling His gracious, loving promises to us again and again and again. And that's so important for us to know. We're not setting ourselves up just for one day. This is for a lifetime and then beyond this lifetime for an eternity that God is our Father and that He has adopted us. I want you to see this. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, Through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You've, You've literally taken all the right things that Jesus did in his 33 years of life on earth. Every good, perfect thing. He never sinned once. And God says, you're putting it on and that becomes your clothing when God sees you. He sees you clothed in Christ's righteousness. You are perfect and holy and just right in his sight. Not because of anything you've done, but because the Holy Spirit has come. Like an ancient Roman servant. You've seen the old movies, right? And these guys, they don't don't dress themselves. They stand there and the servant comes and he puts that, that clothing on. That's what the Holy Spirit has done for you. You're clothed in Christ, Paul says. And therefore, he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor, there's, nor is there male and female, for you're all one. All, all of us are one in Christ Jesus. And in fact, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You belong to the right people. You belong to God's children, Abraham's children, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me, let me drill down into those words because... What those words are really saying is that we need to ask ourselves two questions because of how we naturally think as human beings. How do most people believe that a strong, tight bond and relationship with God is formed? For many of us, because this is just kind of the the basic principle of, of how we live our lives, we believe that no good thing comes without hard work. And that if we don't work at it, if we don't do something, if we don't follow some customs, traditions, as as Paul says at the very end, you see the pull on these guys. He says, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. When you were following false gods, they had all these rules and regulations and traditions for you. He says, now that you know the true God, or rather, and look at the grace in that statement. You notice how he switches it over? or rather are known by God? God is the knower. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you want to be enslaved all over again? You want to put yourself back under rules and laws? And he he brings out a special, uh, a specific application. You guys think you have to observe these special days and months and seasons and years? No! It's not about that. The first question we have to ask ourselves, write this down, is, does God want performance from me? Because, see, that's what we think. And if you're a slave, that is what the master wants. If you're working for the man, you know you'd better perform if that's the type of relationship that you have. And the moment you don't perform, the moment you don't do what's right and good, That relationship can be very quickly severed. If that's the relationship. And as I'm saying, many people by nature believe that that is what the relationship is. But Paul says it's not. This is a family relationship. And great moms and dads, they don't think that way. Great moms and dads go, I love you. I will always love you. There's nothing you can ever do to stop me from loving you. Our relationship, mom and dad to kids, is not about performance. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. Our love for you is steady and firm and unending. And you need to know that. It's unconditional. Right? That's what Paul is saying. That's the Father's love. And that's why he sent Jesus for you. It's, it's not that God wants performance from you. Here's the other question. Does God want loving relationship with me? And what do you think the answer to that is? Absolutely. That's what he wants. He wants you to be tightly connected to him. And we're going to learn how tightly in just a moment as we read on. It's amazing what Paul tells us about the Father in this passage and what he tells us about the Son. Because he says all this relationship is established through Jesus Christ. This is a whole nother reason why Jesus is our hero. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saw that our relationship with God because of sin, because of all that chaos, was severed. And he said, I'm going to make this adoption happen. I'm going I'm to bring the Father back together with this world that we created, this sinful world. I'm going I'm to end sin and reconcile the Father to, to all the people that are there. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross, when he rose from the grave. He reconciled us to the Father and made it possible for us to be adopted back into God's family. That is incredible when you think about it. I want you to turn over your crosswalk notes. Let me ask you a simple question. When you hear the word grace, do you know what that word means? And do you, do you really know what the biblical definition of that word is? It's very simple, really. It's not complex or complicated. Grace simply means undeserved love. A, a love that comes to you Not because you earned it, not because you performed for it, not because you did or experienced or followed anything. It's just the way it is. And that's the kind of love that God loves you and me with. It's called grace. Now, when you hear that word grace and you think undeserved love, what name do you associate that with? I think for most of us, for me, the name that immediately pops into my head is Jesus Christ. Yes, he got it. And why? Because in grace, Jesus died, bled. He did it all for me. He lived a perfect life in my place. He was my complete substitute before God. He's the one that brought about this reconciliation, as we just said. That's grace, and Jesus is all about grace. But sometimes that's where we end it. Because let me tell you, there's another name that should pop into your mind very prominently when you hear that word grace. And I'm not putting Jesus down at all. I mean, he is the main name that should always pop into our minds. But you know there's another one that's equally grace? And that name is Holy Spirit. Because by nature, as we just heard at this baptism, when you're conceived, you're conceived in sin, that means the Bible tells us that you think the good news of Jesus Christ is utter foolishness, Paul writes to the Corinthians. By nature, we all believe that that is the dumbest thing possible, that God would send his son, that his son would live a perfect life in our place, that that he would die a death that's a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And here's the most dumb thing of all, Or can I say the dumbest thing of all? That he would do that all for free. That you and I would not have to do a thing. Anybody in this room struggle with that? I do at times. I do. Because I always was taught by my parents. That I had to work hard. I had to study hard. If I want good things to happen in my life... It kind of is up to my performance. And now God comes along and says, No, it's not. It's by grace. It's undeserved. It's a gift, totally a gift. And for that reason, because we're born in sin, we're blind to what the gospel is promising us. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul writes to the Ephesians chapter 2. And we're enemies of God, mortal enemies. By nature. And, and that all despite the fact that Jesus has died for the sins of the entire world. And that's why you have to hear in your mind's uh, heart, in, in your heart, you have to hear Holy Spirit when you hear that word grace. Because God also sends you his Holy Spirit. Through the Bible. Through the sacraments. He sends you his Holy Spirit so that he can take... Mine and your rock hard, dead, cold hearts that are resistant and rebellious to God because we've lived in the chaos of sin. We are like those adopted children. And he sends his Holy Spirit through the means of grace into our hearts and says, come to me. I truly love you. I I mean, I really, really love you. And the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts. Now that's... An amazing act of grace. God sends his son for you. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to work the faith that Jesus is your redeemer, your savior, your Lord. Cool stuff. Write this down. Faith is God's gift. And talk about a gift that keeps on giving. This gift has amazing results. It starts with me knowing Jesus. I know who Jesus is, that he is my Lord and Savior. I know what he's done. I know what his heart is. I know that he promises to walk with me every day of my life. I am with you always to the very end of the age, he says. Man! Man! The Holy Spirit helps me know Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit gives me the faith that I can actually agree Not just that Jesus generically did that stuff, but that he did it for me. That he is my Savior, my Lord. And that he's God's Son. And then here's the best of all. I know Jesus. I agree that Jesus is my Savior, my Lord. And then finally, I rest in Jesus' promises. I I remember that adoption is a promise that keeps on getting fulfilled throughout my entire life. And, and what do I do? Remember what the mom said in that story? There's nothing better than watching my children that I adopted sleeping peacefully at night. And what did we say about our Heavenly Father? There's nothing better to Him than for us to just be leaning into, resting fully in, And knowing that, man, no, that promise is true. I mean, every one of my sins is gone and forgiven. I mean, God will give me courage and strength to face the day tomorrow. And yes, I'm going through this hurt and this difficulty and this struggle in my life. And this relationship is coming apart at the seams. But none of that changes God's promise to me. I am with you always to the very end of the age, Jesus says. And I am no matter what's going on out here, and I can sleep peacefully at night with my Heavenly Father watching because I'm resting in my Father's promises and in Jesus' finished work and the Holy Spirit residing in my heart. It's amazing. Look at this. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You know what that means, don't you? You know what the word Abba means? How would we translate that today? Very easy. Abba is the Aramaic word that simply means dad. Dad. You get to call the almighty creator of the universe, dad. Think about that. Just just motor on that for a second, will you? He's your dad and and when you think about that do you realize that you carry your dad with you every day in life because God sent the spirit of his son into your his spirit is living right here in your heart reminding you of the father who wants to keep his promises to you every day for the rest of your of your life And, and And here's the other cool thing, right? God knows that we're weak. He knows that we continue to mess up even after we become believers, that that old Adam, that sinful nature is still in us, right? Remember, those of you who've been parents when your kids were young, and um, you took them to Target or someplace like that to get ready to buy presents for Christmas. And, and, and they're running down the toy aisles. And they're, of course, they're picking out the most expensive present that they can find, you know. And they're, and they're like, Dad, Dad, you know. And they've got that look in their face, right? Can I have this? Right? And, and, of course, you have to, you, it's Christmas, so you have to pretend, you know, like, nah, I don't think so, you know, but you're going to come back and buy that, right? And then that, that, like, that crestfallen look on their face, right? But then Christmas Day comes, right? And they open it up, and the amazing look on their face when they see that just the gift they asked for is the gift the, their dad gave them, Right? Now, if your kids were anything like I was when I was a kid, how long did that very expensive gift last? Before it was crushed, smashed, lost, spit upon, you know, whatever, right? Because you're still a kid, right? And our Father knows that we still have our sinful nature. And we are going to take his gifts and we're going to mess them up. But God's our dad. And he, his relationship to us is not based on our performance. Just like my dad would always do with me, he'd say, Come here, because I'd be in tears, like, Dad, look, it's broken. <laughs> right? And he'd go, Come here. And he'd love me, he'd comfort me. He didn't always replace it, sometimes he did. But I always knew that he loved me and that he was with me. It's amazing. And because we're weak, God keeps on giving us promises. Now, there's way too much in this Galatians 3 and, and, and the first part of 4 for me to go through. So here's what I did. I, I picked out 1, 2, 3, 4 verses that I, I want to hone in on. And, and all of these are simply to say, God is our dad. He knows we sometimes struggle to believe it, sometimes struggle to trust it sometimes struggle with our sins and our own messing up of the blessings he gives us, and so he keeps coming back to assure us, I'm still your dad. So look at this. Words that help me trust that I am family with God. Verses 4 and 5. But when the said time had, fu- had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Look how... This verse underlines what we've been saying. How did we get adopted? God sent his son. And what did his son do? He lived perfectly under the law, fulfilled every every law, rule, custom, tradition, everything that needed to be fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it. And he says, here, take it, it's yours. Write this down. God promises that Jesus' efforts are all I will ever need. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus, I love those words. Oh, my goodness. Do you really hear what that's saying? Now, it's not saying this. It's not saying that the moment you become a Christian, you stop being what you are. No. I, I didn't stop being a pasty white guy when I became a Christian. I'm still a pasty white guy. All right? That's what I am. But I'm a Christian pasty white guy now. Okay? What he's saying is not that you are no longer those things. He's saying they don't matter anymore. Remember what we've been saying during these series? How our normal mindset as human beings, sinful human beings, is there's a bunch of good guys in the world and there's a bunch of bad guys in the world, right? And what do we always want to be? Which team do we want to be? We want to be the good guys, wearing the white hats. You know, yes, that's who we are. And so what do we do? Well, I'm so glad I'm a guy. Being a guy is so much better than a woman. I would never want to be a woman. And how do we even insult people? Oh, you're such a woman. Stop being a woman, big wuss, right? And what's behind that? We guys think we're better. And of course, what do the women think? No, they're not. Those guys are so dumb. What are you talking about? They would never make it without us. Right? And we do the same thing with race and ethnicity, right? I'm better because I'm this or that race or ethnicity. Because we want to be in the good guys. And what is Paul saying? It's not about that. What do we hear? When you're born, you're a bad guy. Every last person is a sinner and is in the bad guy camp. But there is a way to move from that to the good guys. And beyond just being a good guy, to be truly family. And how does that happen? Well, you've heard it a million times this morning. Through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And nothing else matters. Can I tell you something really plainly here? It does not matter to us at Crosswalk Church. Whether you're man or woman, Jew or Greek, black, white, brown, ethnicity. Because it doesn't matter. We're all dad's kids through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear that loud and clear. You belong here, no matter what your background is. That's what Paul says. God's promises are that we're all one, equally valued in God's sight. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You've been freed. You're now belonging to, to the true people that God looks at and says, these are my people. See, that's what the Jews always said. We're the children of Abraham. God says, if you believe in Jesus, you're the children of Abraham. Because Abraham believed and you believe. And that's so important. It goes back to that slave or free thing. Because, again, the natural thing is we're slave-minded, not free-minded. In our head, when it comes to religion, we work for the man, and we make it all about performance, and we become slaves. And that's why Paul has to yell at the Galatians, Stop it. Forget about those days and traditions and, and times and all that. You're just going back to working for the man and becoming slaves again. Stop it. You're free. Jesus did it all already for you. Don't go back and become a slave and work for the man and have it based on performance. God promises that I am his child because of Jesus' work. And I am an heir, no longer a slave. Heaven is your inheritance. Eternal life is yours through Jesus Christ. Can you read this together with me? Verse 7. So you are no longer. Let's read it together. This is so important. I want you to go home with this verse. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I bet you know how to fill in that last fill-in, don't you? God is my dad. God is my dad. Now, I know that's the last fill-in. And usually, right after the last fill-in, I wind down. But I got one more thing. So... Hang with me for just a minute. Because as I was was looking at what Paul is actually saying about we're family, we're brothers and sisters, God is our dad through faith in Christ Jesus, I began to ask, what does that mean for us at Crosswalk? And it took me back to when Julie, my wife Julie, and I, uh, a few years back, we used to house students uh, from Arizona Lutheran Academy who lived uh, around the state in Tucson and Flagstaff, we have five kids of our own and we would, we would house three or four other kids in our house. We loved doing that. It was like adopting them into our family. And of course, they were high school age, so there were some cultural shifts that needed to be made there, even though most of them came from excellent families. But, but still, families do things differently, right? And I was thinking to myself about the process of how we would get to know those families and get to know those kids and they and we could make a decision about are they going to stay with us as their housing parents? And the first thing that would always happen is that they would come and they would be on our porch and we'd be chatting. And then we'd say, come on in, you know, after we greet one another and chat for a little while. And where would we sit? You know, right? We'd sit down in the living room. Because that's the common place where you first get to know people. We'd sit in the chairs and the couches and just chat and get to know each other better. And when we really wanted to get to know the family better, what did we do? We'd say, we well, come have dinner with us? And we'd move into the kitchen and the dining room, and we'd sit down and we'd have a meal together and really get to know each other well. It's amazing what food does, isn't it? Like when, when you're talking, you got food, right? Now at that point, we were still evaluating our relationship with each other. And, uh, We don't always make our bed in the gun home. Our children especially didn't always make their beds in the gun house. And so we didn't take them back to that section of our house. Because we're still getting to know each other. But once it was decided that they were going to become our housing students, what did we always do? We gave them a space in a room. They had their own bunk. They had their little space in the desk, they had dresser drawers, and they they really moved in and became a part of our family at that point. And and at that point it was really cool to watch what would happen. Because not only would they bond with us, they began to bond with our sons and daughters who are living in those rooms with them. And think about what just think about what happens when a bunch of high school kids are together in a room, right? I mean, it was really cool. They got to know each other. Sometimes before uh, they'd be going to bed at night, that's that time when high school kids will open up, and they start talking to each other about pretty deep things that had gone on, stuff that often we didn't know about. But they talk to each other and counsel and help one another. In those rooms, they studied together and helped one another. In in those rooms, they were living, and they were living authentically. They wore their pajamas in those rooms, right? And no one else at school or what have you, except on Pajama Day, got to see them wear their pajamas, right? It's a place where they could truly be themselves. The other kids living in that room got to see them the first thing when they woke up in the morning, right? Something that most girls would just be horrified by. Some guys, too. Here's my point. What are we trying to do here? If we're truly God's family at Crosswalk, we must build the whole house. And we must invite people all the way into the house. Now, we, we made a graphic. Thank you, Matt. And I want you to think about our church, and and what's the porch of our church? Well, the porch is that place where we're greeting, and and we have the first impressions, and maybe you get a little information from Amanda at the information table, right? That's the porch. And once you've done that, then you you come into the living room, and uh, that's the worship service. That's here. We're in the living room. We're all together. Now... Like in most living rooms, right, the person that you look to in the living room is kind of the mom and dad of the house, right? And, and so this is who you get. Sorry, guys. But, all right. But then there's also a kitchen. We have that beautiful patio out there where we can eat and talk and get to know each other at a better level. Now, here's the tricky part. Many times when people think of church, they're like, they're like guests coming into your house and they know they're guests and they want to stay guests. And so what never happens? They never get back to those other rooms. Right? And they may evaluate what's going on just on the basis of the porch, the living room, and the kitchen. All right? Now here's what's going to happen if you do that at crosswalk. You're going to hit a ceiling. You're going to go, wow, these people talk a lot like they're family and everything, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm not really getting all the way into the family. I feel like there's a level of connection that's not there, right? Well, let me just tell you, you're not going to feel that, and you're not going to know that at Crosswalk Church unless you accept our invitation to move all the way into the house, and we are inviting all of you, all of you, just like the Apostle Paul The differences don't matter. Move into our house. And do you know what those other rooms represent at Crosswalk Church? I bet you can guess. Our growth groups. If you don't join a growth group, you're basically saying, I kind of want to just live. You may even be a member. You may have signed into membership, but you're living like a guest. And what we're saying to all of you is, move in. Your family. God is our dad. Come all the way in, get in a growth group. And the kind of stuff that happened in, in my kids' bedrooms when they were connecting with ALA students, that's what's going to happen to you. And now you're going to know what family really is here at Crosswalk Church. By the way, the kids used to study there. We study too. But what do we study? The Bible, God's Word. And so my invitation to you, two things. One is, please come all the way into the house. And we'll help you get connected to a growth group. Talk to me. Talk to anybody on staff. Talk to someone who's in a growth group. Let us help you get connected into one of our neighborhood or affinity groups. Secondly, we'll build as many rooms as are necessary. And we're going to need your, your help to do that. We'll keep adding on bedrooms to bring more people all the way into the house. There's no limit to the number of rooms we're, we're willing to build, okay? And we need you to step up and say, I'll, I'll be a room leader. You know, when those kids came into our house from ALA, who did we put in charge? The new kid who didn't know much about our family culture? One of our kids who knew our culture very well, and who knew how the family was to be. So I want you guys to think about some of these things and realize the importance of those bedrooms, of those growth groups, and move all the way into the house. And here's where it all wraps back. Go home today knowing it's not about your performance in the least. What God wants is intimate, close relationship with you. And what we want as God's children is the same. We want to be close. We want to be connected. So know that God is your dad. And please hear our invitation to move all the way into the house. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we thank you so much that that you have given us your son, Jesus, and that, that we need to do Absolutely nothing. Lord, with, with your plan, it's like this equation that's amazing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. What an amazing mathematical equation that is. Help us to, to grasp that by the power of your Holy Spirit, to trust it, to rest in your promises. And Father, we thank you that you make it possible for us to sleep peacefully at night with no guilt or shame or worry because we know that you are our dad. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.